Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode of the Adventure Jogger podcast brought to you by Kilted Hasher, Joseph Oso Bears, Travis Lone Car, Scott Randall, all of our Patreon supporters, and of course you, yes you the listener. The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. Christian, how are you? Yeah, pretty good, Ryan. Pretty good. Uh, this is the coolest like way of meeting ever because you and I have a mutual friend, and his name is John Harden. And and I saw John over the weekend, and John's like, "You got to talk to Christian. You got I got this guy. You got to talk to Christian Morgan. I'll set it up." And so he he met you via the Appalachian Trail, and you have a a spot in your heart for that trail. And we'll talk about that in a second. But before we get into that, you and I have been joking back and forth with John that this yeah. whole podcast would be about John Harden. Yeah. And it's not going to be about John Harden, but I, I want to share a John Harden story with you before we get into you, uh, Christian. So the, f- I, the first time I met John Harden, I ran one of his races and I, you know, I kind of peripherally knew John before I interviewed him for the podcast. And so I had him come up for an interview on the podcast. I did some digging on him and found some some things that he had done in his life and that sort of thing. But I wanted to keep it to running because I didn't want to, you know, veer off topic too much. I didn't want to make him uncomfortable. So I promised myself I'm going to stick all of my questions to running. Within 15 minutes of the interview, he drops the fact that he is a former male model and lived in New York and all that stuff. And I'm like, okay, you brought it up. So now it's a thing. And so that's been the running joke about John being just too blasted handsome for reality. Did you notice within the first five seconds of meeting John Harden, where you're like, my God, this man's cheekbones are incredible. <laughs> Actually, you know, because uh, John did pace me for a full day. Yeah. Uh, pretty- much almost so i got the full story you know and um i mean yeah john's a good looking guy you know he's just uh he he told me about like he went to this competition for his mom he didn't want to go he won the competition got this modeling contract (laughs) in europe or something you know had to leave school and then it's you know it sounded like a big adventure so I'd like to listen to that podcast. Like, yeah, I'll have to look. Is is that on this yeah, show? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll send you the link. So you'll be Thanks. good to go. You can listen, listen to, to it on AT. Yeah, yeah listen to, to John talk about being a model. He's the type of guy that you don't 
as a man who looks like us, and we're not bad looking, man. We're two good looking dudes, you know? We're two handsome fellas. But you don't want to stand next to John Harden for too long because you disappear. Like that is camouflage when you stand next to John Harden for too much. Yeah. All of a sudden, no one even notices that you're there. Yeah. yeah. No, no, John is uh, very handsome. <laughs> so, Christian, on to you. Um, you are from the UK. Yeah. And, you know, b- b- born and raised there. Uh, Actually born there, but I was raised in Australia. Oh, okay. That's an interesting yeah. take on things. So you were born in the UK, grew up in Australia. Yeah. Where Where is home for you now? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I guess I'm kind of on the road. I just met someone last year and uh, she lives in Spain. So after the Appalachian Trail, uh, last year I went to Spain for a bit and uh, I guess likewise after the trail this year I'll go to Spain so I guess uh, Spain at the moment um, is my home okay so you are you are a worldly man you have seen some things you have been you know born in England raised in Australia living in Spain now what's interesting Christian is you have currently the second fastest time on the Appalachian Trail 44 yeah. days four hours, 54 minutes. Yeah. What I find so interesting is, is that's a trail that has such a deep love and respect from Americans. We, I mean, we all know it. Very few of us will ever go on it, but it's one of those things that is just so uniquely American and captures the hearts of the American people. What about you? Like what, as someone who grew up outside the United States, what kind of lured you to the AT? You know, like, yeah, I did grow up outside the United States, but I grew up in the 80s with American TV. So in my heart, you know, when I was watching those like wilderness programs and seeing the the bears or the wooden cabins, you know, like my imagination would be carried away. And so even though I was physically, I guess, watching some of that stuff, either in England or Australia, my heart was taking me away to these amazing places I was watching in TV on the US. So yeah, long before I arrived and stood on the soil, you know, I'd had a dream and and a passion to connect with the places I'd been interested in as a child, you know, watching these films and documentaries and stuff. Okay, Um, your ultra running story, because you're not someone who just decided like, hey, I'm going to do the AT. I've never ran a step in my life. Kind of give me before we get into the AT and kind of blow by blow that. Yeah. What's your kind of your running story, Christian? How did you get into running? Is it something you've always done? And and how did you find the world of ultra running? Yeah. So I actually started with boxing amateur boxing really Um, yeah really uh and part of that um fitness regime was to go running so i used to run with the the club you know the boxers yeah and we used to run um down to the pub down the road and then back again on the road no trails or anything (laughs) Uh, and then we'd do, you know, all our conditioning work and do bag work and pads and then eventually spa. And then one day I saw an advertisement in my local paper for the Wolverhampton marathon, uh, 
those it was uh what was it the year 2000 so yeah. i didn't need to like sign up on the internet or just turn up on the day pay my 20 pounds and um run a marathon and it changed my life how it, so how so did, did running a marathon change your life I feel um, it tested me in a way that nothing else ever had physically or intellectually. And uh, I rose to the challenge and I felt a very powerful uh, feeling of self-accomplishment and um, self-fulfillment and self-discovery. So it was all this special um like all these amazing things activated by a marathon, you know, nothing in my life had been able to activate those things in my, me, but the marathon totally just, yeah, it just, it, it just woke me up. <laughs> that is you so, know? that is so interesting, Christian, because I mean, we all can relate to the physical challenge, right? You talked about how it challenged you physically. And I think everybody who's run an ultra run, any sort of distance race knows the physical challenges that is required to do those things. But you talked about it challenging you intellectually as well. Can you expand on how the marathon challenged you intellectually? I think it was the, the physical effort from the marathon that helped me realize my potential and my potential, everyone's potential starts in their mind. You know, everything. I mean, the only reason you finish a marathon is because you tell yourself you can yeah i mean you tell yourself you can't <laughs> and it's it's <laughs> what do you listen to you know and then having this amazing uh almost like an internal intellectual journey in my head and coming out the other side and actually you know getting through the hurdles of the uh, self-doubt uh the um the, the negative uh, voice inside the head yeah. the you know lack of self-belief it's it's it was like an internal yeah physically i was running on the road to get to the end of this marathon, but there's this internal dialogue in our heads. So yeah, it's a physical journey, but it's equally a, um, like an intellectual within journey with, within your, in, within your mind. Yeah. Did it unlock something? Did you almost like go like, wait a minute, this is what I need to be doing. <laughs> well, I mean, as, um, I mean, a thousand percent, <laughs> you know, I, I remember after that, I thought, wow, I mean, if I really, anything I want to do or anything anybody wants to do, if they, if they work towards it and it's a bit contradictory because I didn't really work towards this, I yeah. was training for boxing, Yeah, but yeah, like anyone who wants something probably is a better way to phrase it, can have it. And that, and that was a big realization. You know, I didn't realize that before in life. I didn't realize that. It was that that light going off, the light bulb going off over your head moment of, oh my God, all of these things that I thought I was capable of, I'm capable of so much more. If I could conquer this, boy, what can't I do? Yeah. Which is yeah. really, really, yeah. It's like one of those, one of those, those big moments um, in your life. When did 26.2 miles become not enough for you, Christian? Oh, 2009. Uh, I um, read Dean Karnassus's book, mm -hmm. you know, like um, great book. Uh, what is it? Marathon Man? Ultra Marathon Man, yeah. Confessions of a Midnight Runner. Yeah. And did you read that one, oh, Brian? Oh, yes. I, I read that book 
it changed my life. It made me <laughs> want to run ultras. And I remember I had run marathons before, which by the way, you folks in the UK say marathons the best. I wish I could steal the way you say marathons, but it would just sound weird. The marathon. Um, so, so, but it, it, but I read that book. I remember talking to people about, oh my God, this guy runs all night and he eats pizza while he runs. And yeah. people were, people were floored. Like that's the stupidest thing ever eating while you run. My God, that's ridiculous. But I had to, I had to, to, to just try it. Like, I, I'm like, you know what? I want to see how far, I can push myself and I remember because he, he, he means, I mean, that book means so much to me and I will go back and reread it and it's just, it's, it's special. And I remember it was during COVID Christian when I was like, yeah, you know, I've never really asked him for an interview. Why not? Let's just, yeah. let's just go ahead and let's kind of, kind of see where see what he says because what can he say he can say no right and so i sent him a message and he was like oh yeah i'm all for it and and i i worry a lot when you meet your heroes because sometimes they yeah. turn out to be not what you expected and you're disappointed yeah. and you're like oh god i really wish i wouldn't have met this person but <laughs> i was so i generally don't get nervous in interviews i don't it's just a conversation i'm having with somebody right I was so nervous talking to Dean because Dean meant so much to me. It was book meant so much to me. And I remember finishing up the interview and yeah, I, I, it was fun. It was great. He was so giving and, and fun stories. And, and you know, he, he, he messaged me afterwards and said, this is one of the most fun interviews he's ever had. And it was like, oh my God, like I've, I've made it now. I've talked to Dean Carnazes, and then when I saw him at Western States a couple years ago, I'm like, hey, Dean, it's Ryan from the Adventure Drug. I goes, hey, Ryan, great to see you. You know, like he remembered who I was or he was faking it, and he's really good at it. But it was yeah. just, that was a, yeah. So I, I read the book. I've got it on my bookshelf, which you can see behind me in the video. That book changed my life much like it changed yours. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, like you said, you know, running with pizza and balancing. I forget what dessert he had as well. It was, um, oh God. Well, I can, was it pie? No, was it, it wasn't pie. I, I'm, I'm tasting it in my mouth right now when you say, when you say, right, having that dessert yeah. as well. Yeah. And you're like, this is the greatest sport ever. <laughs> so I, I read that book and then my friend, um, Actually, no, my friend told me about the book. And then I went and ran my first ultra marathon. Yeah. And it was so true that ultra runners were definitely different from marathon runners. Mm -hmm. And I think, I forget how many marathons I'd run, a couple every year. It was 2009. And uh, yeah, I just remember getting to about 27, sorry, what is it, 26.2 miles. Yeah. And, you know, like what's going to happen now? It's like this okay so i spoke about the internal journey you know and i kept on repeating the distance repeating the distance and you kind of have different dialogue in your mind as you're doing these things but then when you go to the point where you've not physically and mentally been before suddenly um it's this whole hey vlad hi. you want to come and say hi hey oh, oh hold on are you in uh, hello how are you vlad good Vlad, how do you know this guy? How is how do you know Mr. Mr. Morgan here? He's staying at our house. Yeah, oh, he's my yeah. Fantastic. So 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 Christian is staying at your house before he does the Appalachian Trail, right? 
Yeah. That's very cool. Are you going to help him at all, Vlad, on his on his journey? Yes. Well, what's your what's your plan? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where to see him. Yeah. That's really cool. That's fantastic. That's awesome. Well, you know, that's pretty cool you guys let him stay at your house. That's awesome. Does he does he do anything annoying at the house? Does he eat all the all the peanut butter or drink all the milk? Like what you give us the inside scoop here, Vlad? Uh, he doesn't do any of that. <laughs> we, we actually play a lot of foosball together. You know, yeah. the table football. Yes, yeah. foosball. Yeah. That's fantastic. That um, yeah. by the way, look at the foosball guys. Right, look at their faces. Tell me that doesn't look exactly like John F. Kennedy. Just I'm dead. Next time you play foosball, look at the face, Christian. That's all I'm pointing out. Okay. That's really I'll, awesome. I'll that. <laughs> all right. Thank all you, right. Vlad. Thank you, man. All right. See you, Vlad. I Thanks, love it. Ryan. That is the yeah. first the first time that I've had the the a podcast interrupted by a very excited young man who is yeah. very, very much <laughs> wants to pace and crew you and support you. Well, he really wanted to come and say hello. You know, he asked, could he say hello? And I said, sure, no problem. Absolutely. So, absolutely. Yeah. Well, tell him now he's internet famous. He's on he's on the 26th <laughs> most popular running podcast on iTunes. So that's a big deal. Oh, congratulations <laughs> on that. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> thank, thank Who's number one there? Who's uh, in the- I can tell you real quick, real quick, I can tell you. And that information is cool as well. Uh, for this week, it's the Coach Bennett podcast is the number one podcast, running podcast on iTunes. I can tell you the number one trail running and ultra running podcast is Single Track with Phil Melanson. So congratulations, okay. Phil. I'm going to get yeah. you one of these days, Phil. I uh, think 26 is good. I'll take it. What, what's, the, what's the highest you've been ranked? Um, I The highest I've been ranked is ninth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I'm hoping that you bring my my numbers back up, Christian. So, um, you know, try not to disappoint. <laughs> you, know, you live by the rankings, you die by the rankings. So I know people are saying, God, he knew those numbers real quick. I, I feel ashamed that I knew those numbers real quick. So, but, yeah. <laughs> but all that to say, so we're talking about your. Yeah, we're talking about like what, when did I leave marathon? So, yeah, I yeah, never- yeah. I always went back to marathon, um, but then I discovered ultra marathon in 2009. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I got to that 26.2 distance. It was written on my watch, you know, I used to use watches all the time. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, so now this is the unknown. And yeah, and like, I guess, you know, I ran 35 miles and then uh, worked my way up to eventually getting to 100 miles. And it was a, it, it was always a journey. Like, what happens when I run this far? What happens when I go a little bit further? What what voices? Uh, you know, I don't want to sound like I got schizophrenia to people. Like, what voices? <laughs> but no, what am I going to discover inside of myself and stuff? And uh, and I think the hundred mile was not a disappointment. I mean, it really changed my life. Like the first, it was just had just as much impact on me as in 2000 as my first marathon, but just in a different way. So that first hundred mile in, I think it was 2015, again, just rewired my head, um, uh, reframed my entire um, opinion on uh, potential. And um, well, I mean, yeah, so I moved, yeah. So that was my 2009 to 2015 Ran my first ultra, yeah. ran my first hundred. The hundred is a big distance for 
breaking a mental barrier. You know, because if you can do 26.2 miles, you can do 31 miles. A 50K, your brain, the, the jump that your brain has to make to go from a marathon to a 50K, really, there's not much. Your brain's not going to put up too much of a fight. It's going to be like, I can do five more miles. 50 is an adjustment because all of a sudden you... But again, you go 50K for whatever reason because... You know, us Americans are used to the freedom system and not the metric. 50K to 50 miles, in reality, it's a 19-mile jump. But in your head, you're like, ah, K, M, yeah. Well, you could do one, you can do the other, right? But 100 miles, triple digits, watching your GPS watch. Well, now you can. Back in the day, you couldn't because your watch was dead after mile 35 and just had this dead thing on your wrist for the next 15 hours. But watching that number click over to the third number, it's, it is, it's, you're right. It's, it's just life-changing because like, my God, 100 miles. And then when you're driving in the car the next time and you're going over 100 miles, you're like, Oh my God. Like you try to keep track, right? Of how far things are. And you're like, I have run this distance. It's, it's, it's life changing. And it really opens the door for my God. Well, what can't I do? If I can do this, what can't I do? Yeah. I I really think that running a hundred miles is the equivalent to, you know, remember they used to get like all these people hyped up and put hot coal on the ground. Yes. And people would like walk over this hot coal and then start up new businesses or take up the violin, learn French, mm-hmm. you know, and, and because it gives you this belief. And I really think the 100 mile is, gives you that same rite of passage. It really is. So I take it you've run 100 miles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yep. I have uh, four times, yep. Yeah, sweet, man. Um, yeah, it's a great club to be in. In fact, there's a story. I ran my first 100 mile um uh, it was like in England. It was yeah. 2015. It was a, what was it like? I think, I forget the time, sub 24 hour, like 19 hours yeah. or something. I forget. Uh, got into the sports hall. Like there's a school it finished in. We're yeah. in the sports hall. I think there's, oh yeah, it was like 16th or something. There's 15 other runners in there. And uh, this guy comes over to me and he like lowers his voice and like looks around as if to say, I hope nobody's hearing me. And he said, a lot of people um, wouldn't agree with me saying this, but um, I really don't believe you're an ultramarathon runner till you've run 100 miles. Uh, welcome to the club. And I thought, wow, <laughs> I mean, what, what just happened, you know? Like, in a, So, yeah, I feel it's this exclusive club in life that you've proved you can go through. I mean, you can just go through anything. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's a long way. So, yeah, yep. that was it, 2009 to 2015 ran my hundred miles and again, changed my life for the second time, reinvented myself. So at some point though, you get it in your head and, and I don't know who inspired you. You decided to try the entire AT who inspired you to even think of doing that. So I'd heard about the Appalachian trail in 15 with Scott setting the record 16 with Carl Meltzer setting the record. I used to listen to the podcast uh, or still do when he releases an episode. Yeah. Uh, Talk ultra with Ian Corliss. Yeah. Uh, Ian Sharman started that together. Anyone listening want to go back to the first episodes. It's funny to hear Ian Sharman on a podcast because he's a great runner. Yeah. And uh, 
for whatever reason, Ian uh, Corliss went by himself. And I heard about the Appalachian Trail on that podcast. And then in 2015, I ran marathon, or 16, ran marathon to Sables. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was in the desert. Uh, a lot of the guys who do that are um, kind of corporate guys. So I didn't, and, and I'm not a corporate guy. So I didn't, uh, there was a couple of cool guys in my tent, but most guys were, you know, had more in common with each other than me. So I right. kind of found myself in the registration tent, just sitting and chilling along with another guy who must've had similar, you know, um, I, I took on, I, I kind of got the idea that he just wanted to also be a, away from his tent mates and just hang out by himself a bit. So we got talking and this guy, his name's Carol Sabe. And yeah. um, he he told me he was going to go and do the PCT, but he never told me in what manner he was going to do the Pacific Crest Trail. Yeah, and so I think it was 2017, the year after MDS, or maybe late 16. I forget exactly now, but I saw on Strava a post saying Carol Sabe sets new fastest known time on the PCT, and uh, and I sent him a text message saying, "Congratulations, man! That is a, a really great achievement, and it was really nice meeting you. And you know, all the best for the future. You, you've done it, an yeah. amazing thing there." He told me about this amazing adventure. So yeah. Uh, and then, uh, you know, he just said, hey, I'm going to go for the Appalachian Trail. Scott Jurek has the northbound um, fastest mm -hmm. supported record. Uh, do you want to come in? I've got five paces coming from Belgium. Um, everyone I'm pretty close to, and I feel I got really close to you in, uh, in the desert in Morocco. So I'd like to invite you, you know. And, I mean, I just said, yeah, I mean, let's do it. Yeah. Let's go for it. And I think my first question was, you know, would, do you want to go for it joint? Like, I'd love to do something like that. And he said, no, I just want you there more as support, you know, to pace, maybe a marathon a day or something. And I said, yeah, okay, that's good. So, yeah, um, in 2018, Carol set out July 18th, heading north. Uh, and on his day 11, uh, I joined him. Um, and stayed with him for 16 days, uh, ran about 35 miles a day with him. Wow. And, you know, muled for him as well. And uh, and just seeing Carol do it um, and being there and witnessing it uh, just really made me kind of think, actually, you know, I think I could do this. Yeah, I think I would like, not just think I, I could, but think I would like to. So I think that's where the dream was born when I was actually invited onto the record attempt. So out of all the paces, I think some paces did, I don't, I don't think anyone did more than like four or five days. I did like over a third of the attempt with him. Um, so I really, there's no one else in the world besides me who spent as much time on the trail during that attempt with Carol Sabe. Yeah. So I felt that was a privilege and an insight into something that like, you know, there's no one else who takes that space in the world besides Carol. So to share a little bit of that with him was, um, yeah, that was what made me think I can do this. What part of the, of the trail did you pick him up at? What state? It would have been Virginia. So who's going to be about five, mile 550 or something like that? Uh, Virginia uh, saw my first bear. Um, just... I mean, I mean, like, like I said. So now I'm a whatever age I am in 2018. How long is that? Five years. So I'm 41 years old. Yeah. Uh, I'm a fully grown adult. I'm in America. 
for the second time, I did come back uh, a couple of years ago to do this thing called Camp America. Yeah. And now I'm seeing a bear for the first time in my life. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I was a child watching television and the dream came true. You know, I'm in, I mean, it's not the wilderness, right? I got to go to Alaska for that, I'm sure. But yeah, it's like a, a step in the direction of being immersed in what I used to watch on television. And now I'm here in it, living it. So it was pretty cool. There you are getting, do you see a bear? You know, it's like, that's yeah. not, that's not common. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, it was cool. And yeah. spending all that time on the trail with him and kind of getting a, almost like a training wheels version of what it would take to do these things, right? Like you were there to experience his lows. You were there to experience um, maybe mistakes that have been made or things you might have done differently. You really got kind of a a beginner's class in what it would take to do something like that. What surprised you about just the whole process of getting someone from the start to the end of the AT? Well, I mean, he got, you, you know, I mean, everyone was, it was a supported attempt. Everyone was there helping him. But again, like Carol tuned into his um, mind and he got there himself. You know, I mean, it was, you know, like there's so many opportunities to surrender you know, internally and say, so and then say to the crew, I give up or I can't do this. So, you know, Carol, you know, if you're listening, congratulations, man. And I know you got there by yourself, you know, like there was help around him and stuff, but, you know, he had the internal strength mm -hmm. to take himself through um, day one to day 41. And, um, but seeing everyone around him working, like eventually, um, I turned up, there was currently a pacer already there. I think, is that right? I think so. Yeah, there was a pacer there. Or if not, we picked him up within a few days. So there's a couple of pacers. There's Joran, the driver, um, and his brother-in-law. Eventually his wife turned up. Um, you know, like very efficient, uh, just amazing people full of um, adventurous spirit. Um, you know, like uh, logistically amazing, uh, always planning out when we're going to see him, mostly turning up, sometimes not turning up. And, and you know, that's what happens. Mistakes are made. So, to, to, yeah, to see it all, it, it was it was overwhelming. It was uh, intoxicating to the highest level it was i got drunk off it i mean it was fabulous you know? were there were there mental lessons because let's be honest running 100 miles yes there is low points there's low points there's high points i mean they repeat themselves they go in this cycle but i can't imagine that the lowest points you experience doing the at doing a multi-day and the at is not a paved rails to trails i mean this is a brutal this is brutal terrain. There are parts in Pennsylvania, they call it Rocksylvania for a reason, that just destroy your feet. Were there lessons you learned from Carol about, about just um, the mental, like how, how he pulled himself out of the real dark spots as he's making his way north? Well, you might be surprised, but Carol never displayed any dark. He, I mean, if he did go into these dark, I mean, I know he did. He must have because he told me 
the difference between a hundred miler and the 80 up to the point he'd run it. And also he had the experience of the PCT is that the uh, highs and lows are, are more frequent. There's more of them. Um, so yeah, he obviously went into these dark spots, but he never displayed it. He never, never showed it, never complained. Um, he did when we were approaching Pennsylvania um, kind of become more concerned and, he said to me, he admitted to me, I said, I'm quite sad. I'm a bit upset on the trip. And I said, what's up, what's up, man? And he just goes, well, I don't know if I can keep this pace through Pennsylvania. And, you know, uh, you know, I encouraged him and said, you know, let's see see what it's like when we get there and stuff. And, and when he got there, there was big rocks and he had fun going over them and, and stuff. I, didn't, I, I think I did the whole of PA with him. But again, not not the full day, just right. 35 miles um because i believe i left him in new york so yeah he he just his his actual um i think the thing was he was pre his um what do you call it when you um think of something before it happens uh intuition precognition precognition like um in yeah like preconception or whatever anticipation i call it i call it negative anticipation yeah so he had a negative anticipation of what was ahead and when he actually got there it wasn't as bad as he was thinking it would be so uh yeah i i didn't really see carol going to a big dark spot we never had to <laughs> coax him i mean he was pretty self-motivated and so what did i learn from him um you know just uh maybe if you are feeling really low you know don't don't spread that around the crew don't need to share it with everyone maybe just deal with it, <laughs> you know, because he never showed it. And so he seemed to be dealing with things pretty well. For, so you finish that up. You leave him in New York. He goes and does his thing. When did you make the decision that you were like, okay, I need to do this. I can do this. And I, I'm going to give this a try on my own. Yeah. So I uh, pretty much knew I wanted to do this. You know, I hadn't announced it to anyone. And then I told him, I think it was December 2018. I said, Carol, I want to go for that record myself. He said, yeah, I wish you all the best. You're going to have a great summer. He did say he couldn't help me with any pacing in 2019 because he had his own projects going. Yeah. I said, sure, that's fine, you know. Um, so, yeah, then I went to, to start arranging, like, how do you get 12 pairs of shoes? Um, how do you get, like, uh, all the, you know, how do what companies you know you've got to go i mean it's not just physical training for something like this it's like how do you raise the money for a, a car that's going to cost you six thousand dollars to rent right um how do you raise the, the the fuel for the car the food for the crew i mean where do i get a crew from <laughs> right how do I, I asked joran i was like to his crew i was like joe do you want to do you want to come and crew me on the at and i didn't I can't even remember if he even responded. You know? <laughs> In the end, I had like my mom say, I'll do it. You know, I'll do it. I'll crew you. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, um, I'll do it. I'll be there for you. I'll show up. So I said, okay, all right, let's, let's do it. And then I also got my cousin involved from Ireland, a 18 year old, um, from Ireland with no experience. Uh, <laughs> and we just, a, a bunch of amateurs turned up in America in 2019 and, it ended in hot springs uh, and my cousin uh, flew home back to Ireland. Um, you know, I just really didn't enjoy the, 
um, feeling, the vibe from the crew. They, were, they seemed to be like com- like arguing with each other and it was yeah. really uncomfortable for me. And I just said like, Megan, I think you should just go home and let the attempt is over, forget about it. So it ended in, um, in Hot Springs after six days. Uh, and so then I went to meet Warren Doyle, um, who lives up in ten- uh, Tennessee, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, stayed with him at the Appalachian Trail Folk School. Got like um, some good advice from him. He said, go and check out the whites. You know, if you really want to do this next year in 2020, you need to know what the terrain's like up there. So I went and spent some time up in the whites, Whereas, where is, which is where I am now, by the way, guys, in the whites training hard. And, uh, and I really enjoyed it. I really liked it. I felt I had not really give, I mean, I totally didn't even have a shot at it really, you know, yeah. 2020 rolled around. I couldn't get into the country. So I stayed in the UK and, um, uh, yeah, I couldn't get over here, but then came back in 2021. So 2021 lessons learned. You're going to go farther than six days. Which way in, in 2021 did you go south to north or north to south? All my attempts have been northbound. Okay, so you you start in Springer Mountain, Georgia, and then yeah. work your way up up to up to Maine. So how did it go for you in 2021? I got to Hot Springs <laughs> again. Yeah. yeah, same place. This time Iceman. Um, so Megan didn't come this year. Uh, Iceman and now no, my mother showed up for a second year as well. So, yeah. uh, so she had more experience. Iceman had also showed up. He's uh, a uh, trail. Did you know what a trail angel is, Ryan? Yes, I do. I've, I've heard of the trail angels. They'll leave things on the side of the trail to help through hikers and runners. Yeah. I mean, that's like trail magic, but a trail angel that goes far as even slack packing some through hikers or, bringing them into town or actually setting up a table and handing stuff out. Yeah. So they're almost, they're with the trail magic, but they're kind of present. So Iceman reached out to me and said, you know, I heard you going for a attempt. He had a podcast and, you know, said he'd like to be a part of it. So he came out. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think I was ready for it mentally because mm-hmm. my body let me yeah. down. Yeah. I mean, I thought my body had let me down. Yeah. Uh, I probably actually in hindsight, I think I could have got through that. But I don't think I had the, I mean, it was only like two years ago, but I don't think I had the maturity that I needed to get through such a feat. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, it finished in Hot Springs. And, um, yeah, I mean, nothing I could do. You got a, you got a buddy come and say hi as well, right? That's my son. That's my son. I always tell him, like, you know, you're if you keep walking back on the camera there, you're going to end up on a video at some point. Had to get my shoes. Oh, he had to get had his to get shoes. Okay, shoes. hang on. You got to get on the microphone. Had to, had to get my ufus, man. Okay. Had to get them. Had to get his shoes. Yeah. That's you know, I'm so pleased we've both had, had uh, young people younger than ourselves <laughs> coming up. So I that's know. One- that's family you know it happens it it happens um i would think that having two attempts end at the same place at hot springs that had to create a massive mental (laughs) barrier for you in 2022 when you tried it again like hot springs must have been on your mind nonstop. yeah yeah so actually what happened was yeah last year in 22 i got through hot springs ahead of record pace feeling strong feeling um adequate 
and um, feeling motivated. And I remember Warren Doyle made a comment because he followed all the time on my Instagram, made comments. Yeah. I had I had a live track. I'll have one this year. And he just said, looks like Christian's got the monkey off his back, you know. And that's what that's what it was. It was a huge, you know, you talk about runner's highs and stuff. And that for me was validation that was validation that all the past years of stopping in hot springs actually i really did have what it took just yeah. to get past hot springs yeah yeah i'm sure as so, i'm sure too as you pass through hot springs as you know the spots that you dropped like you must have i bet you you knew the spot on the trail where you where you yeah. called it quits the first and the second time and i'm sure as you broke through that barrier that had to have been just a huge mental boost for you. Like, okay, now it's on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it takes six days. I think I got there in five days or something. But, yeah, it takes a, a while to get there, 250 miles. But, yeah, it, I thought, yeah, now it's on. You know, I've got past my first kind of uh, hurdle, so to speak, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and there were many more to come. Um. So let's talk about those. What were some of the challenges in 2022, the year where it all started to fall together? But still, I mean, it wasn't like you were, it, was, it wasn't a cakewalk. Yeah. I mean, I stayed ahead of record pace until um, day 32. Mm -hmm. I was, um, I, at one point I had 27 miles. I, I, I mean, it's tough. I mean, like, I had 12 miles ahead of record pace and then I lost those 12, I think around day 10 because I had a quad injury. Yeah. I, I So for two days, I just hiked and I covered almost 100 miles in two days. Wow. So I lost those 12 miles. In fact, I lost eight miles, four miles a day or something. And then uh, the third day I tried running and it was okay. I could run. I was like, wow, you know, I got through it. I did a, I did a Scott Jurek, you know? <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, if he could do it, I could do it. And I did it. So, and I kept good mileage as well. So, uh, and then I was feeling like my trail name is Captain. Mm -hmm. and um, I was going past all the hikers and they heard about me they knew I was doing it I mean I joined the hikers for a big section of almost 500 miles back in 21 mm -hmm. so yeah. sorry that's what I forgot to say at the end of 21 I didn't just like fly back to the UK I joined the through hikers and hiked the last quarter of the trail you yeah. know so I joined the community and had a taste of what it was like to be a through hiker or, or a section hiker yeah so um, yeah I uh had the through hikers saying go captain like go captain and it, like there was this uphill section and i ran up and i thought oh this is fine it's okay that my heart rate's high i feel like i'm running 5k i'm full of adrenaline i mean i don't know what was wrong with me I, you know and then i felt something in my same leg um left quad uh and i felt something and i thought that's not the same place but it's my quad again so by the end of the day, I was hiking and then the next day I had to hike. So I lost those 12 miles over three days of hiking, you know, which I'd gained. But it still meant I was on par with the record. So then from that point, I built up a 27-mile lead mm -hmm. after coming back from my injury. I healed on trail. It's pretty amazing what the body can do. Yeah, um, I got up to 27 miles uh, around the halfway point or whatever it was, I forget. Um, 
And then those miles started to whittle down, you know, like, uh, and I got down to about 10 miles ahead of record pace. I woke up on day 32 and I set out. And by that point I was allowing Carol's, uh, achievements and strengths to get inside of my head. You know, I was psyching myself out thinking about, you know, like he's catching up with me, you know, how long till he catches me. And then when he passes me, obviously he's not on trail, but you know, his time. Yeah, exactly. There's this guy who turns up and he's a photographer and he's running with me. He said, do you mind if I take some photos? I was like, sure. And he has some chalk ices and, and I have the chalk ice and ice cream. And, uh, he said, yeah, Carol, like when we were going up the climbs in the whites, I said, what was Carol like? Sorry. In the, in the mountains, whites, he said, wow. Carol, like I was uh, redlining behind him and Carol was able to just go up the mountains without even like being out of breath. So I I allowed this guy to almost psych me out and uh, I felt really bad listening to this and inadequate. And so, yeah, by the afternoon, I just, uh, my feet were hurting. I'd convinced myself I was content in life. So this is the internal battle that I'd been winning for 20 years. Yeah. Ultras, marathons, 100 milers, pacing Carol Sabe, um, setting the record on Britain's longest national trail. I mean, even in the boxing rink, you know, fighting opponents. And then finally I get taken down. You know, we don't always win our battles. And uh, and I, and I uh, convinced myself I was content in life I, and I didn't need this. And this, and, 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 you know, I thought, right, that's it. I quit. I'm, my feet are hurting. I'm done. I don't need this. And I got in to see the crew and I said, I'm done. You know, I, I, I quit. Um, I took my shoes off and I lay down in the bed in the van. I said, that's it. And, uh, I remember like my mom, her trail name is gun section. Yeah. So she immediately got in the car and started driving the car. I thought, what is she doing? And I, I, I didn't even think about it, but I paused my watch you know, because yeah. we're leaving the trail. And at the point I poised, po- the point I uh, paused my watch, I realized I hadn't quit because I was still, you know, I mean, trying to, you know, you're allowed to leave the trail and come back. Yeah. But I didn't want my watch to be running. And you can do that. That's fine. So I thought, okay, I'm not quit, but I'm in the car and I'm lying down. What are we going to do? So, yeah, she took me uh, to a Walmart car park. We sat there for ages. She didn't really know what to do. You know, she just wanted to get me away from the trail. Right. We went to McDonald's. I ate loads of food. <laughs> uh, still lying down on this bed, just eating cheeseburgers and drinking strawberry milkshakes. Yeah. And then eventually, uh, we went back. Uh, we found a hotel. We booked in a hotel. Then we went out and had, uh, we, there was luckily a steakhouse down the road had a big juicy steak, a glass of red wine. I didn't even finish it. I, I was like, I, 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 my body was, I, I felt like I never drank alcohol before, you know, it was too much. <laughs> I felt so drunk. And uh, we had a conversation with each other and we spoke about things. And, you know, my mom was telling me, you know, everyone's rooting for you, you know, don't give up, just do your best, uh, you know. And Speedgoat was sending messages saying, Christian, you're freaking four days ahead of everybody else. What are you going to do now? You know, if you if you carry on, you'll, in, you'll really appreciate your decisions. You know, you won't regret it. Don't quit now. 
So I had so many people rooting for me. I went and slept in the hotel room, tried to sleep. There was this big family of, I think they were from India. Uh, there was about 20 of them in the room having a party till like <laughs> five o'clock in the morning. I didn't sleep, got up the next morning, got back on trail. And I'd let something go, you know, I'd let go of the record and Carol disappeared into the distance. Um, and I just knew that, you know, all the other guys were behind me, um, uh, which would have been Scott, I mean, Scott Jurek northbound supported record attempt, I guess, you know, uh, speed goat went south didn't he and then um joe mcconaughey was supported so really uh, you know i was just thinking but i'm ahead of these guys in terms of time and don't give up and i just started to enjoy myself more and probably didn't push myself as hard but yeah eventually got to katahdin do you know who david horton is i do yeah yeah so yeah david was david was part of our crew for the last couple of days and he wanted to come up with me up katahdin so yeah i just took a slow hike up with a 73 year old david horton um <laughs> in the night with our head torches and also stephen grierson was with us and we just took it easy talking having fun yeah got up there tagged katahdin 44 was it what was it 44 days 54 four hours 54 minutes yep. yeah yeah. The only thing I regret about that is like not, I stayed with David the whole time. I wish I would have just went up there 10 minutes earlier and got 44 days, four hours and 44 minutes. That would have been, <laughs> like, that's kind of fun. <laughs> like, but yeah. I mean, I slowed down to go up with David, but you know, their memories, D David is a legend mm -hmm. uh, and to hear him and spend that time with him. That was a great experience. Um, oh, for and then we sure. had to come back down. So, so it's a long way down. Oh yeah. Um, what did you find out? It's so interesting that the body heals itself. Like you talked about your your quad injury um, early on, and like like that is so weird how you couldn't run for two days. You had to hike. I mean, yeah. that must have been just like, oh God, I'm gonna have to hike all the way to Maine for the body to heal itself. Did that happen multiple times where you thought like, okay, I've got this injury and all of a sudden it just goes away after time? Oh, man. Uh, you know, I knew Scott had done it. I knew Scott. And I was in contact by email to Speedgoat. And, you know, I even asked at one point, you know, Speedgoat, can you like contact Scott and tell him to call me? I just, you know, I just want to speak to the person who's done this. And I think Scott... That never got back to me, but I didn't know. Spiego said he might not, you know, so we didn't pass the message on. But I just took, drew inspiration that some human had already done this. Yeah. Scott had already done it. And, you know, if he can do it, let's see if I can do it. So, I mean, I, I tried running over those two days, but every time I tried to run, it was a clear, I can't run. I mean, it was a full-on sharp pain. I, t I tore my quad, but I could hike, and I can hike really fast. I mean – I covered a hundred miles in two days, right. you know, and then on that next day I could run. And then I tore my quad again. And I still covered almost 50 miles. So I'm a really strong hiker. Um, and also actually my English friend said something really interesting to me. Um, his name's, um, Ed. And, uh, he said, there's this thing, Christian, you possess. He was in the army. He said, it's called battle fitness. It's like when you're a soldier and you're injured, 
um, you continue on with your mission um, regardless of the injury. And that's called battle fitness, you know, and I did, I'd never even heard of this stuff before. Yeah. So I think knowing that I had, cause I had a similar situation in 2020 when I set the record, I ran like a hundred kilometers a day for 10 days with similar terrain and um, elevations, the Appalachian trail, Britain's longest national trail. Mm-hmm. And on the last day I tore my quad. Um, it was silly coming downhill. I was using my iPhone head torch cause my crew hadn't got to me and I was, I was a bit, panicky you know thinking i gotta get down here quick and uh, i descended too hard and um yeah i injured my quad and like i ran 100 miles on an injured quad uh run height sorry uh run height and um yeah and he and that's when ed had said christian you possess something called battle fitness so i just kind of knew going into the appalachian trail i'm prepared to see if i can continue on through if i do get an injury so i was already I was already anticipating if I get an injury of continuing. So, so I kind of I had anticipated that as a possibility. Is it something maybe you think about, you know, you, you tear your quad. Normally they tell you to stay off it, right? And just let the body do what the body does. But as you had to hike through that, there is so much blood pumping through your injured quad. You wonder if... And again, I'm not a doctor, folks. Listen, my daughter is, is five <laughs> weeks into PT school, okay? So I that's as close as I get to knowing anything about how the body works. But you would think that maybe with all that blood pumping through that leg the whole time, I mean, does it just heal faster with all that blood? Or There's, there's got to be something to the fact that you couldn't run on a torn quad for three days and all of a sudden, fourth day, you can run. I couldn't bend my leg, you know, like, um, I didn't have the full range of motion in my leg. I mean, I could bend, I, I could, I could bend it a certain amount, but it was probably 30% of the full range of movement. So to be able to run again after that and hit 50 mile days, I mean, I hit them for like, like, yeah, I mean like, uh, weeks and weeks and weeks, 50 miles a day. So I think there's something to be said there with the blood flow um, there's an old guy who I hiked with in 2021, one of the through hikers called Reckless Abandon. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty cool guy in his, I think he was in his 70s. Big gray beard, you know, just a real um, Reckless Abandon. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I said, what do you think about injuries? And he said, I think it's good to just um, let them heal on the move. You know, like they will heal. Don't stop, you know, don't sit down and rest at home. Yeah, I, I think if I would have, got off trail with that injured quad sat down it would have probably taken weeks to to you know till i was back running again but yeah 40 out at 48 48 hours later i'm running 50 plus mile days consistently so yeah i think there could be something yeah let's yeah let's not get ourselves in trouble but if you're you know injured what? I'm going to ask my daughter to ask her professor if there's anything to this. I'll get back to everybody. <laughs> yeah, that'll be interesting. I'll listen to that podcast. Yeah. We're paying for that tuition. We might as well get some answers out of it. Um, what did it feel like finishing the AT, but not having the record, but still finishing 2,100 plus miles of some of the most beautiful terrain in all of the United States? Uh, I mean, it felt amazing, you know, to have experienced that, not just 
by myself, but with the people who came out, like David Horton, you know, my crew, Iceman, Gun Section, um, Stephen, um, all these amazing people to come and help me uh, achieve something. So there's the relationships that you make, you know, um, the people you meet, all the hikers, you know, the support, the people who just turned up out of nowhere, random people who had been following you just turning up on trail. So there's all these people. And then, as you said, there's the beauty of the trail, you know, um, mist floating above a lake in the morning and you're the first person to see it. Yeah. Um, uh, full moons, uh, sunrises every single day. Um, I can't remember seeing a full moon. I don't know why I said that, but sunrises <laughs> right. every single day, moons, you know. Uh, and then there's the, not just that, then there's the nature, you know, the bears. The, I didn't see a moose. I wanted to, uh, you know, all the animals, the snakes, you know, all the amazing wildlife, um, the, the weather as well, you know, um, so yeah, there's all that and to experience that and then finish it and think, actually, I just ran that supported. Yeah. There are people giving me drinks and foods, but my, I, every footstep of that trail I took myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. So to do that felt really good, but to not get the record, I was devastated. I was, um, I mean, it's a failure, you know, it was, it was a failure, but the problem with, I think, I think people are starting to understand these days that failure is a very important ingredient to success. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If you get everything you want and you win all the time, you don't know how to deal with adversity. Like failure teaches yeah. us how to deal with disappointment and adversity. And I mean, it, it lit a fire in you. You aren't going to just settle for being the second fastest person on the AT. You're giving it another go. Yeah, this is my fourth attempt. So, yeah, July 3rd. So, uh, not this coming Monday or a week Monday. Um, all being well with the weather, we'll start a southbound. It's my first southbound ever attempt. We'll start at Katahdin. Not exactly sure what time yet. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, yeah, I'm going to go for the record. We are going to go for the record again. Me, Gun Section, and Iceman. Um, and we're going to head south and hopefully all the years all the mistakes all the failures all the lessons will be of advantage to setting a new fastest time on this on this record and on this Appalachian trail isn't it amazing this the just the community of people who've done it like david horton at one point had the fkt on the at carl meltzer at one point you know had the fkt on the at and these people are encouraging you and supporting you via you're either walking up or walking miles with you or messaging you and, and, and uh, encouraging you from afar. It's kind of cool to see the people whose records you were trying to break or had had that record at some point wanting you to break the record of the incredible thing that that they had done. That's that's really incredible. You know, I, I agree, but I don't really think Carol wants me to make this record. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Horn's record was broken. Uh, Meltzer's record was broken. Um, not by me, so I'm not a risk. You know, I mean, I ran faster than those guys when I did the trail last year. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I think... 
I think if I was in Carol's position, I wouldn't want me to break the record, you know. I mean, I don't mind getting close. He sent me a really nice message last year. Yeah. Because um, I sent him a message when um, after – so it must have been, what is it, 41 days, 7 hours, 39 minutes, and he was doing a 4 a.m. start. So I figured he finished at 11.39 on the 42nd day. Yeah. 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 So I contacted him, left a message, and I was like, wow, what you did is amazing. I'm so inspired. I admire you. You know, I mean, well done. Yeah. Congratulations. I, I'm here. I know what it takes. And he sent me a great message back saying, Christian, go and get that second fastest place. Don't give up. Like, you know, you're doing really good. You know, you're, you're ahead two days of um, heavily supported um you know, super strong ultra runners, you know, um, and, and so you're out there with, your, you know, your standard crew like he was and then go and get it. But I don't think he wants me to break his record. <laughs> don't go too fast. I want you to go fast, but don't go too fast. Don't go too fast. <laughs> um, Christian, what is one thing that you learned on the AT that you that you would that you could give to the ultra runners listening to this now we don't have to do the 2100 miles or, or whatever the at is but what's something you learned about yourself about running that you'd like to see people that they could apply to their next 50k or their next 50 miler or their next 100 or their next maybe they're going to try a 200 you know like there's two ways to run on trail one by yourself and one with other people um, and when you're on trail with other people, it's great. The conversations flow and that's the social aspect. So I think that's really nice to be on trail with other people. And when you're on trail by yourself, you have an opportunity to tune in to the trail, like more than when you're with other people, like tune into the rocks, the roots. Today I was running. Um, I saw a snake on the trail. I was actually with someone, but I'm trying to, Actually, now because I'm realizing the more you tune into the trail, the less you trip over. <laughs> um, when people are running with me, I'm still present for those people and I'm having a great conversation, but I'm reserving 50% of my attention to what's around me and what's in front of me. So I think what I learned on the trail is to, um, I mean, it's really hard to say maybe it's hard to put into words but just give the trail your attention you know if if you're always with people that's okay that's good there's a great social side but maybe just sometimes go for a run by yourself get out there and just tune into the trail like tune into what you, where you are your surroundings and just tune into it maybe without music without a podcast and just try to embrace where you are and if you're feeling some pain maybe try i mean I, a quick little story i was training i've been in thailand for five or six months this year already training up there it's pretty cheap i do online run coaching yeah and i'm able to pay my way there you know so i was over there i was uh, the top of the mountain i started running down i'd already started some chafing which wasn't very nice and you know have you ever been chafed ryan oh yeah does it hurt oh yeah <laughs> yeah okay so i had some pain and uh i was at the, at the time i was tuning into the trail my surroundings myself and i thought okay let's do an experiment i knew it was a 45 minute descent let's tune into this pain let's not try to 
get rid of it or i mean i couldn't get rid of it let's try to not ignore it let's tune into this so i tuned into this pain and i focused on it and i focused on it and i really concentrated on it and eventually it it it, it i interpreted it in a different way it was like okay yeah this is pain but now it's just something i'm focusing on and eventually after about 35 minutes of this focus it went away and uh i know this sounds crazy but suddenly i had nothing to focus on i was like well i kind of miss it now (laughs) i know that's it's i mean it sounds weird but so yeah you asked what advice have i got for runners i mean there's no um there's no um there's there's no restriction on how deep you can tune into yourself and the world beautiful stuff christian i think we'll end it there good luck to you and thank you for coming on the adventure jogger ryan thanks for having me on it's been great fun and i'm looking forward to listening to that episode with you and john uh talking about his modeling career gets a little wild i'll just let you know gets a little crazy (laughs) 